if you've never worked in help desk or system administration, you need to get to the trifecta from CompTIA. So CompTIA is a certifying body, very well known in this industry. So you need to start with your A+, that's your hardware level certification. You're going to need to get your network plus certification. So that's like dipping your toes into how networks operate and then your security plus. So your security plus will go over not everything you need to know about cybersecurity, of course, but it will definitely help prepare you. Hey everyone, quick 20 second side note before we dive into this episode. You may notice that the audio quality is a little choppier than my normal podcast. Uh, Unfortunately, as I was going through the editing process, we ran into some snags and I'm still a budding audio engineer. I'm learning how to fix those. So I did have to cut and splice a little more than I normally like to. So I hope that you'll forgive me. This was still a great episode and I did want to get the information out there that I was able to save. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Hey everyone, I'm here with Ricky, who is a cybersecurity engineer, and he's been doing that for a few years now. Before that, he was in IT tech support, and he was a trainer in the IT space as well. He brings a lot of relevant experience, so this should be good. Ricky and I go way back, I think all the way to middle school, uh, but it's been a while since we've reconnected, so it's been fun to talk with Ricky a little bit, and uh, I'm excited to have him on the podcast because I think he's got a lot to say about the cybersecurity industry in general. So Ricky, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just jump right into it. What does a cybersecurity engineer do in a nutshell? What does that mean? Sure. So a cybersecurity engineer is kind of a blanket term in the IT security space. Uh, There's a lot of different jobs that you can hold in IT security. For instance, you have your analysts. So your security analysts who are looking at a pane of glass and monitoring logs and events, especially If you have a SIM, which is a security instant and event manager, uh, like Splunk, for instance, and what Splunk will do will aggregate logs from all different assets in your environment. You can query against those logs, run playbooks and other things. It's, It's a way for you to monitor your environment, and it does generate a lot of alerts, a lot of logs, but it's imperative that we get that vital data so we are on top of any issue that may come up. And that's a a SOC analyst, a security operations center analyst, or just a security analyst role. And now you have other avenues, which I know I'm not answering your immediate question, but I'll get to it. That's okay. It's, It's relevant information. Sure. So let me preface with you have a blue team side of information security and you have a red team side, and then you have the unicorn purple team. So what a blue team is designed to do is to defend your environment. That's where you get your analysts, your engineers, your architects, and then you move into your red team, which is going to be your internal pen testers. Also on the blue team, don't let me forget, you have your DFIR, your digital forensics and instant response Mm -hmm. individuals. So those would be the individuals that in the event an attack took place, you would contact the DFIR team and they would conduct an investigation. They would do incident response, digital forensics. So when you see people in the shows that take a machine offline and they get the hard drive and they duplicate it, and then they go very in-depth into what files were on the machine, what logs 
Are there, um, you know, how is this machine tampered with? You know, you have that avenue there with the digital forensics piece. Of course, you know, you have your network defenders too, you know, your firewall engineers. They're not strictly like a blue team role, but having a network secured is <laughs> paramount, right? Yeah, so of course. Ensuring that your firewall rules are set up correctly, your routing set up correctly, just overall rule review and access control list review and things of that nature to harden your network. Yeah, to circle back to the original question, I'm sure I'm missing other roles and I apologize no, it's for, okay. every, it's, for yeah. everybody out there if I missed your role. <laughs> uh, but uh, as a security engineer, uh, primarily looking into the various platforms that we uh, own and operate and manage, making sure these platforms are up to date, that they are functioning it's just an overall upkeep of these different systems. Uh, we do recommend changes to platforms. It's just the overall ability to look at the information security landscape and to not only protect it, but to give different ideas as to how to best defend your environment. So for instance, what I do primarily as an engineer is vulnerability management and internal pen testing. So I'm kind of in the purple team side. I do blue team. So I look at events and help with investigations and looking at logs, but I also do primarily vulnerability management. So yep. what does that mean? Well, vulnerability management is a very large key component of ensuring your environment is being protected. You know, there's tons of zero days coming out, especially recently. And the zero day is any vulnerability that the developer and or the general public has not seen before. Mm -hmm. So you have zero days to interact or to respond to that. It's a new kind of attack, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah not only a new type of attack, it could be like a totally different attack vector that you've never seen before. Yeah. But, you know, the way that the exploit works, it could be piggybacking off maybe some old exploits and then they modify it or find something new and a new update of software or the operating system. And they run with that and they say, oh, well, I can piggyback off this vulnerability and make it something totally new, new functionality. And we're going to start exploiting that in the wild. And mm -hmm. then, of course, you have people who are like, hair on fire like me trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> is this a threat? What assets would be uh, susceptible to this attack? Yeah. What is our overall threat landscape is what it's called. And you have to really take a good look at not only the new vulnerability or the new attack, but what can it do? What is going to be exposed to that? What's our risk? Risk management is huge in this environment. Yeah, that's good, Ricky. There's a lot there. I want to I want to kind of scale back just sure. a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so blue team, red team, purple team, there's a lot of different avenues to what cybersecurity can mean. Um, mm -hmm. How long have you been in the field? Have you been doing this? Was it your first thing out of college? Uh, I actually don't have a degree. Okay. And we can talk about that too. Yeah. Let's talk about it. How, so you can okay. get a job in this field without a degree, without an engineering degree, and yet engineers in your title. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of certifications in this industry. I personally don't think that a degree is the best path to this type of field. Uh, there are cybersecurity degrees. You can get your bachelor's and master's and something like that. And I'm not saying it's not worthwhile. I, I'm not saying that at all. Just not necessary. It's not a necessary evil. 
you know, I'm a big proponent of certifications. It's more targeted to the field. Mm -hmm. uh, you're learning certain skill sets that are vital to the uh, industry and they're highly sought after. You know, the, the government has DOD rated certifications. If you want to work in the government sector and I, and I hold a, quite a few of those, you know. So what, what are the most important certifications do you think, what did you start out with? And do you think that those were the best ones to get? Um, yeah. So to lay the proper foundation for anyone that wants to get into IT and then man maneuver their way into cybersecurity, if you've never worked in help desk or system administration, you need to get to the trifecta from CompTIA. So CompTIA is a certifying body, very well known in this industry. So you need to start with your A+, that's your hardware level certification. You're going to need to get your Network Plus certification. So that's like dipping your toes into how networks operate and then your security plus. So your security plus will go over not everything you need to know about cybersecurity, of course, but it will definitely help prepare you to have a better understanding of uh, security overall. Like yeah. what do we look for in an individual uh, skill level? And then maneuvering from there to be more targeted, there's a cybersecurity analyst plus or CISA plus. Mm -hmm. So that's more of your blue team focused certification. And then you also have pen test plus. So that's your red team. So when I dip your toes in ethical hacking, like I do, that's kind of a good place to start. I, I say, if you have all of that and you have work experience and help desk and system administration for about two years, then I would feel comfortable trying to maneuver into one of those other uh, cybersecurity roles. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's two other certifications I highly, highly recommend more so than CompTIA. CompTIA does have some practicals at the very beginning, but it's not fully practical. Hmm. So with that being said, there's a blue team level one certification that is fully practical. There's no ABCD questions in this test. It is strictly, can you do, can the, you work? do the work? Yep. Yes. And, it's your uh, scenario and you have to actually be able to do the work. And execute. Yes. Yep. Um, and then you have to write a full report. And that is from blue team uh, security or security blue team. Okay. I recommend that if you're going to go into the analyst route. And then there's another certification called, it's from INE is the name of the company. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, the EJPT, which is your standard, very basic junior penetration testing certification. And you have to hack five machines, answer questions based on those five machines that you've successfully exploited, and then you get your certification. So those two, once you're good with all the foundational knowledge, delve into that side and really test your, your metal against the certification that demands you to perform. Because my personal, my personal opinion is anybody and their brother can go and get a CompTIA cert. Yep. I, I used to help teach them. I know exactly kind of what they're going to look for and what they're going to ask. But I'm not saying it diminishes its value because it's an ABCD test, but I hold more stock to certifications that require you to do the work. Now, if you want to get into the red team side, like be a pen tester, like full time, like me, OSCP is the gold standard. So that's from Offensive Security, the creators of Kali Linux. I don't know if you've heard of Kali before, but that's a, a hacking operating system similar to Parrot OS. And that's the cert that I'm personally been going for for a while. It's really difficult, but uh, yeah. Yeah. 
That's really good. So it, there's a lot of certifications that you can get. And I think if anybody's interested in like what certifications are important to get in order to get into a type of role like this, go back and listen to that last, you know, two minutes, because I think there was a lot there. And yeah, it's just important to know that you can get a certification, go that route and start getting some experience and you don't have to get a college degree to get what's a pretty decent job, a pretty, you know, nicely paying job once you've been in it for a little bit of time. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the compensation piece, Ricky. What what could somebody sure. expect to make early on in their career? And then what about mid-career and late career? I'm not too sure about early career because I started in the mid category. I would reckon that it would be in the 60 to 70 range to start. You're looking at 100,000 for the medium level and then possibly for a more senior role, probably 120 plus. Yeah. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. An entry level, you're you're saying probably you've needed to be a sysadmin or help desk in some capacity for for maybe a year or two and then get a couple certifications before really entry level cybersecurity is available to you. Am I hearing that right? Or do you think that somebody could jump in without having that kind of experience? We did have two people jump in just like that with no experience. It was pretty evident, not knocking them at all. Yeah. Uh, They did great work. But it is possible to do that. But from a real world standpoint of properly defending an environment, I truly believe that you need a great foundation. You need to have help desk experience. You need to have systems administration experience because you need to interact with users sometimes, you know, in the event mm-hmm. that uh, their machine's targeted. They click on a link, a malicious link, a phishing link, which is 80% of the attack vector of how you get in nowadays. You know, how do you interact with that user? Do you know how to properly navigate a machine? Do you know how to just take control of the situation? And then from a system administration standpoint, you know, user creation, group creation, group policy creation, just having a thorough understanding of Windows and Active Directory environments, Azure environments, and Azure uh, Active Directory, which is cloud-based Active Directory. I hope that answers your question. I, yeah. I, I tend to ramble and I apologize. That's okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll hit all the, even if it isn't through each individual question that I ask, we'll hit all the important points that I think people want to know. Ultimately, we're just trying to see, is this job a fit for me? What does a typical day look like? What is the po- What are the possibilities? And you're, you've already kind of painted some of that picture, but let's go into this. Uh, walk sure. me through like a typical Tuesday, Ricky, like as, as detailed as you can talk to me through like, okay, what are you actually doing all day? Okay. So for me in particular, being on the vulnerability management side, I will review CISA alerts. So that's actually from the government and they send out emails um, and alerts to attacks that APTs are doing. Uh, so that would be advanced persistent threats. So you have like Russia's Fancy Bear, Mm -hmm. uh, you have China, which I forget what their moniker is, and other uh, APT groups. So these are the well-funded, government-funded from different nations that attack us every day. And so I'll look at alerts from them, I'll look at alerts from my certain tools, and correspond with the different stakeholders as to what assets are being commonly targeted, what vulnerabilities are on these machines, and what are we doing about it? So I'm constantly intertwined with stakeholders that are understanding their environment and how I can best remediate these vulnerabilities in a timely manner. 
other than that, other than the vulnerability management piece, because I could talk all day about that in particular, but um, looking at other alerts through uh, Defender, so Windows Defender, look at alerts through uh, our SIM. So we use Splunk, uh, which is a common SIM. We have other uh, scanning tools. We have other detection mechanisms like EDR or XDR platforms, which are uh, host-based platforms. We have intrusion prevention systems and intrusion detection systems on the network. Uh, we have a WAF, so web application firewall that we monitor. A typical day is different, I will say, but throughout my day, there are common trends, especially on the vulnerability management side. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint a typical day other than it does incorporate all of our different tool sets and ensuring that we have an eye on our environment and what alerts are being generated. The way I like to visualize it is just like a security guard at a physical location would be just, you know, monitoring, checking cameras, checking the premises, looking around. You're doing that, but in, in a digital world, you're checking all the different tools, all the different reports, and you're monitoring everything as it happens. Besides the monitoring and looking at all these different pieces of information that are coming in from different sources, how do you respond to a threat? What is it that like, are you, do you actually get into systems and start coding new things? Are you following, you know, forensically uh, what happened here or like, what, what are you actually doing once you're responding to something? Sure. So it really depends on the threat. Depends on the type of attack. We do have an instant response operation procedure document, which is an IROP. <laughs> a lot of acronyms. Yeah. Stay yeah, with us, folks. <laughs> tons of tons of acronyms in IT, but uh, we we follow this IROP, and depending on the attack, we will follow that to a T. And of course, certain things are subject to change, right? Now, let's say that a a user clicked on a, a malicious link. Well, we we can see that, and we will isolate the machine, and then uh, we can image the machine. We can once it's isolated, it has no correspondence to the outside world again, or internally as well, completely isolated sandbox from the environment. And then we would go into the machine and uh, start conducting a digital forensics investigation against that machine if needed. In the event of other types of attacks, it's mainly phishing related. Do you know yep. what phishing is? Yeah. It's like when people send out malicious emails or they're trying to get you to click on some type of link to, you know, follow, and then they steal information or log in stuff, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So phishing is about 80% of the attacks we face, or I guess the industry faces. I, I think that's a correct statement. I might be wrong on the number, but that is a great avenue for attackers to get into your environment. Yeah. And why, why is that? Because if you don't have proper control mechanisms in place, uh, defense and depth, then you are susceptible to whatever malware may be dropped onto a machine. Yeah. Now, malware can do tons of different things. There's crypto malware. It'll encrypt all your files and you have to pay a ransom. And then most often they just sell your information on the dark web anyway. And then you have, you know, credential stealers, you have key loggers, you have spyware, you have adware, you have all sorts of different blank wear attached to it. Right, of course. Um, so it's all really dependent on one, your antivirus, your endpoint detection response, your EDR. So that's on the host. So it can help detect anomalous activities 
like rogue process creation or you know, PowerShell execution, command line execution, enumeration, not only from the users on your on that currently affected machine, but it can go horizontally, vertically, it can spread out real bad, just like any virus in the real world. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's really hard to tell you exactly what we do because every instance is different, but we do have a proper procedure in place for almost any type of attack. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. As an attack comes in, depending on the attack vector, how it came in, you know, where it's coming from and what it's doing, you're going to respond differently. But ultimately you have protocols set up for those, you know, and then there's a little bit of critical thinking involved in just like following through and seeing, okay, what happened? How do we fix this? Kind of showing it up from there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Ricky, let's let's pivot a little bit on the conversation. I feel like we've painted a really good picture of just kind of all the different things that you do in a day and just all the things related to what is it actually that cybersecurity is. Let's talk more just about your particular career. Um, what's the most challenging part of the job? Um, the most challenging part of my job is <laughs> interacting with the different teams at times. It can be very difficult to get certain projects moving. Hmm just dependent on other initiatives. That would be the most difficult part of my job. Just getting everyone on the same page, getting stuff moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there's no conflict on the team. Our team's great. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that the other teams are not great. They are wonderful. They're amazing techno wizards. But it can be very difficult because we have other initiatives to get things working. Uh, and that, that'd be the only hurdle that I see so that'd be the most difficult thing. What's the best part of your job? <laughs> the best part of my job is seeing our risk reduction go way down. Yeah? Yeah. So being a vulnerability manager, internal pen tester, I love seeing our internal risk drop, especially in vulnerability management, just seeing um, our risk score plummet. Uh, I love seeing that. It really does give me a, a sense of pride in my work. That's like um, the number, the goal that you're always looking at. Yeah. So uh, different tools, you know, will give you different risk scores based on what they do. And just the overall risk in our environment dropping helps me uh, sleep easier at night. Now, it does not mean we can't get hacked because you, anyone can be hacked, but it does limit your risk exposure. That is one thing that I do take pride in. And I do take pride in my internal pen testing efforts and helping the other stakeholders remediate pen test findings and uh, shoring up those holes from an external perspective. That's good. Ricky, what do you wish that you knew about the job or the industry when you were first starting out? Like, what would you tell 22-year-old Ricky? <laughs> uh, I would tell myself, you can't know everything. There is a huge problem with imposter syndrome in this industry. Hmm. There's a lot of different things to learn. You know, you, you want to be a pen tester? Okay, well, you're going to need to start learning a hundred different things. Yeah. Uh, you want to be blue team? You got to learn a hundred different things. And the journey is learning. You are always learning in this industry. If you don't like to learn, you should not be in this industry. If you want to have a job where you're one and done, this ain't for you. Yeah. Um, it's imperative that you thirst to understand how things operate, why things operate, you know, how can I manipulate this system? How can I defend this system? What is in happening internally? You know, that would be the biggest thing I would tell myself. I mean, of course I'd say, hey, go get XYZ cert, but 
I would tell myself, hey, man, it's going to be okay if you don't know everything. The best hackers I know in my hacking team, we all have different strengths. That's yeah. why we're a team. You know, I got people that can reverse engineer Windows and Linux binaries like it's the back of their hand. I have people that can hack a web application like it's nothing. You know, I got people that can fish you like no tomorrow. But, you know, it's all a journey. You can't expect yourself to get one certification and then, and then you've done. arrived and then you're, you're all right. good. You're always arriving. You're yeah. always learning. And that to me, I mean, I still struggle with that because I, I literally walk among giants all the time in my group. But, you know, there's room for improvement uh, everywhere. I think that's good advice just in general. You're never there. You're always becoming. You never arrive. You're always, as long as you're willing to continue to get better, you will get better. And that's really all that anybody can ask of you. You're not a complete package as soon as you're 22 years old, fresh out of college, or you got one certification and now you're ready to go. Like, no, you've got 20, 30, 40 years of work ahead of you. And the mm -hmm. industry is going to change. The technology is going to change yearly, if not monthly, if not weekly, you know, like it's going to mm -hmm. be changing all the time. And so, yeah, that kind of leads into this next question. You kind of answered it a little bit. Uh, who is a great fit for this career? And then who might think that they would be a good fit, but find out actually this isn't for me at all. Great fit would be someone that thirsts to learn and understand internals of, you know, how does the operating system work? How do web applications work? You know, delve into a little bit of scripting. You don't need to be a coder or a developer to be a pen tester. You just have to have a thirst for knowledge in, in all avenues. Learn from your peers, take copious notes, take tons of training. Who would I think this wouldn't be for? Honestly, it would be the person who thinks that they get one certain they're done. Yeah. I really think that IT and IT security can be for anybody. I used to teach IT certifications. So, I mean, I've trained young people, adults, people older than me, you know, Yeah. and they succeeded. And it, it really just boils down to your drive and your passion. So I don't think it's like a that's kind of a hard question to answer. It's mainly just if you're willing to learn. Have you ever seen people leave this field? And when they do, why do they leave? Um, do they just retire? Do they stay forever? Do they get promoted? Do you see a lot of burnout? I, I would say from other individuals, other environments, it'd probably be burnout, especially when you're a SOC analyst. There's a lot of burnout there. I mean, God, you're looking at so many logs so many events. How do you manage all of them? How do you take priority on them? You know, how do you escalate them? How do you work them? It can be very overwhelming. The amount of work that they, a SOC analyst has to do in a day is just so much. Yeah. And, you know, I can't blame them for getting burnout. It's rough. And that's why I think the majority of them work a year and then they go somewhere else. I mean, it's in the same field, but maybe not for the same company. But uh, that's where the burnout definitely would occur, I believe, in this in the analyst role. Um, engineering is a little different, of course, taking the request and tickets from the analyst and working those in the event that they escalate something to you. You're trying to always engineer new and better practices and better technologies. Yeah. So it's a little different mindset. Of course, you're the forefront of your mind is, you know, you have these individuals working the logs, you get something elevated to you, you work it. Okay, well, what can I do to improve that process? What can I do to improve that platform? 
maybe we introduce a new platform to do XYZ. It's all really dependent on the role. Yeah, that makes sense. In your job, Ricky, what's the work-life balance like? Are you working 40 hours a week? Are you working more than that? I work 40 hours. Sometimes I work 50 hours. Sometimes I work, you know, less than 40. Well, no, I don't usually work less than 40, but it's usually 40 or above. So 40 to 50, maybe. You work in eight to five, nine to five. Is it pretty standard across the board or do do they try to stagger people so that they're working at different times of the night? So our engineers work the same schedule. Okay. We have 24 by seven coverage, but for me, I work eight to five, sometimes eight to six, sometimes eight to seven. Yep. Sometimes I get called in the middle of the night, two in the morning to go do a thing. You know, that's why I say like, it's always 40 hours, but it could be 50. It could be more. It's just really dependent on what's going on. Does that bring a lot of stress? Are you on call technically by your job? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we do rotate our on-call shift, but you know, I take calls on my vacation. I take, yeah. you know, my philosophy is if I don't get to it now, when it's a problem now, if it's truly a fire, then I'm going to have to get to it later. You know, I got a certain schedule I got to keep. And I guess my overall philosophy is if I have time to look at it, I'm going to do it. Because either I'm going to be studying or playing video games. So I might as well do something productive, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. As far as the stress of the job goes, would you consider it a highly stressful job, medium stress, low stress? And then how do you deal with whatever stress that comes with it? I can say it is a seven out of 10. Okay. So medium to high. And that's really dependent on what you're doing and why. But we are beholden to a lot of different regulations or audits, I should say. So you have your SOC audit, you have your Sarbanes-Oxley audit, your PCI audit. And so we're constantly being audited, constantly producing evidence, constantly doing that. And, you know, we're on strict timelines due to Visa and MasterCard. And so, you know, if we don't deliver, then we're in a world of hurt. And so- That's where the big time stress comes into play is during these audit seasons. So that can be very, very stressful. So cybersecurity engineer, you're not just sitting back monitoring systems that 95% of the time are doing their jobs and you're just eating bonbons. You actually are putting yeah. in the work. There's always something to do. Oh God. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, from scheduling an internal pen test, coordinating that with the stakeholders from working external pen tests with the external pen testing teams, monitoring vulnerabilities and coordinating with stakeholders there, uh, looking at alerts, you know, not only doing that, but doing source code review and looking at the different source code with the different development teams and scanning all that, working that piece. Um, There's a lot reviewing the firewalls. Yeah. I mean, there's just tons of different things. Ricky, I asked a similar question about what's your favorite part of the job. I'm going to ask a slightly different question. What, what do you enjoy the most doing in a day? You said, I, you know, I know you like to do the risk reduction and bring that down and see that number go down, but like, as far as just projects or people, what's, what's the most enjoyable part of the job? I really love coordinating with the systems engineers. So the ones that manage our servers, I really like learning from them. I like coordinating with them. I'm always over there speaking to them, strategizing with those teams. I truly enjoy working with that side of the house. I love working with our stakeholders, our development teams, my internal IT security team, of course. I love working with those guys. It's just, 
having an overall enjoyment of learning from one another and uh, strategizing on how to best defend our environment. So it's yeah. a it's a work in progress, you know, Kaizen, as we call it, Kaizen, constant improvement. What about um, remote job opportunities? Is cybersecurity the kind of thing where people can do this remotely or because they're dealing with important information, they're needing to be on site? Uh, you can work this job remote. I do prefer to work in person. That's just how I am. Yeah. But you definitely could work this as 100% remote if you wanted to, like most IT positions, mm -hmm. just VPN into the network and go from there, really. I mean, it's it's really easy to work from home. That's good. So it's an opportunity for somebody if they're if they're really just wanting to work remote. That's the that's their main criteria. Listen, I don't want to have to go into an office every day. It's possible to get into this field and work fully remote. Oh yeah, I mean it's really that's dependent good. on the culture, of course. I mean, of course, most companies are not allowing a hundred percent remote work. I mean, I guess now since COVID has lapsed, that I guess companies are starting to open their eyes to the possibility of a hundred percent work work remote, but yeah, I think most companies have gone to, they've gone to a hybrid schedule or yeah. just, or fully in the office at this point, there are some that are fully remote, but I know a lot of people really got used to that and really liked it. And so that's what they're looking for now. Yep. So Ricky, I really just have two more questions then for you. Sure. The first one is, have we missed anything? Is there anything else that we should touch on that you feel like would be really important for someone to know? Sure. Uh, I can give resources. Yeah, actually, that's that's my final question. So let's just go ahead and make the final two questions one question. What would you give as practical advice for someone who wants to do what you do? Resources, next steps, lay it on us. Yeah, so if you have no IT experience, get the trifecta for CompTIA, then work on those intermediary certifications and then go from there. Uh, if you want to do uh, ethical hacking, uh, I would start with tryhackme.com. Start on their different learning paths there. It's a free resource. Uh, you can do Hack the Box from the blue team side of the house. You can go to the blue team security website and do their labs. There's a whole slew of different YouTubers. So um, my top recommended would be John Hammond. John Hammond is a champion of our industry. You can go to other YouTubers and Twitch streamers like Superhero One. Is a good friend of mine named Sebastian. Let's shout out to you, Sebastian. You can go to IPSEC, I-P-P-S-E-C. IPSEC is a champion as well. Uh, you have people like the Cyber Mentor, and the Cyber Mentor has his own training platform, which is really, really good. I highly recommend him too. You have people like Katie Paxton Fear, who's really good at web application pen testing, API pen testing. Other resources I would recommend uh, pen tester lab is amazing. Definitely do that for your web app pen testing. You have uh, hack tricks, which is phenomenal. Book.hattricks.xyz is phenomenal. You have TCM security there. It's a cyber mentor. If, if you want an external pen test done for your company, please visit pentester.com. It's currently in the works right now but that's run by a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Montgomery. Uh, I'm working on his team uh, at pentester.com. So if you want an external pen test run by our team, you can do that there at pentester.com. Uh, let's see. I know I'm missing other links. I feel like that's a great place to start for anybody that's interested. And if after we end this recording, if you think of any others, I can always uh, put those in the show notes as well. So if anybody wants to check those out, that would be a good place to start as well. 
Yeah. There's a lot of other resources. Try Hack Me, Hack the Box, Pentester Lab, INE, you know, would be a great place to start for red teaming. Uh, of course, there's blue team options and Try Hack Me as well to help prepare you for that. And then Security Blue Team for, of course, blue team work. But some of those other resources I shared, um, yeah. especially like John Hammond, Ipsec, uh, Sebastian uh, or Superhero One. Those are going to be your more red team focused guys. Another individual I forgot to mention would be Live Overflow. And oh Lord, what's his name? Let me grab it. Uh, this is, he's a really good resource. Uh, Computer File is super good. Oh yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, Branch Education is really good. Um, oh, Pwn Function, PWN Function is super good. Null Byte is really good. These are all YouTube channels that we're naming right now at the end. So that, those will all be helpful if you're interested. If you like to learn on YouTube, it's a good spot to be. Yeah. And another super, super phenomenal resource for digital forensics incident response is 13 Cubed. He is, God, he is phenomenal. That is about all the ones I can think of right now. I think you just spoke to the people that like to learn a lot and are very curious who might be a good fit for this type of job. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there and you probably have already dinked around, but yeah, listen to this podcast again, because we threw out so many different resources at you and any term or acronym that we used or name that we threw out that you didn't understand, Google it. It's really easy to find that information. And that'll, that's what'll make you, I think, a really good person in the IT space in general, as well as just cybersecurity. So Ricky, I just want to thank you so much for being on this show today. And uh, it was just fun to reconnect, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, we can stay in chat after uh, the recording's over. We definitely will. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>